Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Old Tom, the king of spring, Galberry Joe. No matter the name, his call resonates with it hunters all across the United States. We're talking about the wild turkey, and this is the Talking Tom Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, there are times in which you sit back and you think, how did I manage to land a guest? The qual the quality that I have tonight and uh All right, take it easy. <laughs> we have got the legendary Lance Mathers. Now you you've probably heard that name a time or two before. Uh you've probably heard him on Parker McDonald's podcast. You you've probably seen all of his trophies inside Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops up up around. Oh time, but... yeah, all all of <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you got a low bar, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey anybody uh, who hunts with me knows i have a very low bar well that's good with me then <laughs> i too have a low bar legal is good with me that is right no, so okay <laughs> all right i'm gonna hit you with it you shoot you shoot jakes no um my first turkey was a jake um i don't i'm not saying i wouldn't but because of course in mississippi it's illegal for anybody over the age of 15 to shoot a jake but you put me in a bad situation where i've gone five or six days out out of state somewhere where it is legal and my my finger's gonna get a little itchy <laughs> uh, but for the no i'd rather not if i can help it but i have nothing against you know somebody shooting one a year or something like that but it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me any i mean i i hear you i i, I... So I've never shot a Jake. I've been I've been ridiculously lucky in that the areas I get to hunt, I've I've just got an abundance of birds and 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 I just didn't have to do that the first time. Um but I've got one rule. And my rule is if you come in acting like a man, you die like a man. I do not care. You come in strutting, you come in gobbling, Jake or Tom, I don't care. You came you played the game and that's what I'm there for. Yes. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. That's what we're there for. That's right. And Jake's got two breasts and two legs, just like any any long beard does. So, That's to each his own, I guess. It's just, it's just I, I, I kind of like, I like them big old long spurs. To be honest with you. Oh, you need to come out Florida then. So I know that I'm. I plan to be there next year. Okay. But well, we'll see. I happen to know places to go. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a date. It does. Yeah. I'll I'll link up with you when Daniel ain't here. That way we 
we can we can talk about his honey holes and his, yeah, he's yeah hunting them. he gives me all the bad spots i go scout them for him <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know how it goes i did the same thing <laughs> i'll gar hold the heck out of somebody in a heartbeat let me tell you oh 100 percent. i'm not gonna put myself in a bad spot when there's turkeys <laughs> gobbling over there <laughs> man so listen i admire i admire several things about you i mean this seriously one it seems like you do what everybody wishes they they did and you just always have a camera on you and if you follow you on Instagram, it's a great treat getting to watch all of your shenanigans. One of the things you posted just the other day was uh, how to sh- how to how to shoot uh, a running pumpkin. Oh and- man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I back in the day, you know, for since I was like thirteen, I always carried a camera. That's what I wanted for Christmas was because I grew up watching you know primos and monster bucks and all these different mm-hmm. things and and a lot of the mossy oak had whistling wings and stuff like that back then and i've all, always loved watching those videos so i got a camera for christmas and i just from then on i always carried a camera when i went hunting and i did it for let's see that was i was 13 and i pretty much set it down when i turned 27 28 so i've got a ton of just clusters on camera and that's that those are way cooler to me and more fun than the actual kills and stuff but i set it down i got tired of just kind of toting it around all the time and i I don't know i and this year about a week before season started i said man i see all these guys videoing hunts and i kind of miss it and i just on a whim got on amazon ordered a camera real quick it came in two days before season opened and now here i am again putting that dang thing around <laughs> so yeah that that video you talked about that was when i was in college me and a buddy used to always go out and just make just the most the dumbest videos you could imagine and the old running the fleeing pumpkin was one of our videos <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny is I think everybody our age, our demographic, because I think you're pretty similarly aged uh, to Daniel and I. Daniel might be the youngest among us, but I think everybody on this call spent some time uh, idolizing the idea of, of running a camera in the woods. You know, I had this old Panasonic. I don't couldn't even tell you what it was. I mean, you talking like before standard definition was a thing, right? We're not even talking about HD, just like. Oh, yeah, we were high eight. and i remember recording so many things and i've got them saved somewhere i think it's on one drive and i'm just like you know looking back it's the dumbest dumbest crap man just oh it's so awful (laughs) because you're you're stiff and you're young and all you have is is this dude on a pedestal named primos to like try and emulate you know right (laughs) and so you try and look like an authority but you're 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 18 19 the only thing you're an authority on is sleeping in you know yeah right (laughs) yeah i would i'm so glad that i did to be honest with you looking back on it because like I, I got all of my old tapes and just the SD cards alone, which that didn't, I didn't start using the SD tape, SD cards until like 2010 or 11. I think everything mm. else was those high eight videotapes. Yep. yep. And which was, as I was getting on, it was getting hard to find them. You'd have to go to Walgreens to buy them. 
And it, so I just, I got a camera with the high that took the cards, the mm -hmm. SD cards, but just in cards alone, I have three terabytes of, of footage. <laughs> so <laughs> one day I'm going to try to piece some of that stuff together. But I think honestly, most of it just means more to me than it would ever. Most people would just probably put me in the nut house if they saw most of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. You get canceled for some of it, that's for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, there's, there's a part of me, there's a part of me that wishes we didn't have cameras everywhere we went now. Cause the, like a lot of the shenanigans that we grew up with, like, you know, you can't, you can't continue with, you know, no. as an adult, you go to a party, you, you drink a little too much. If you fall asleep in the backyard naked or something, you know, somebody <laughs> have a photo of it, you know, yeah. before that was just a, a fairy tale, but. Yeah. I thank God every day that when I went through like college, yeah, yeah, uh, the camera phones were just kind of starting to pop, and uh, even yeah. if you did get a picture, it was super grainy. So, <laughs> uh, I thank God. Like today, I feel for those boys and girls yeah. that are growing up, you know. But yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember when people would show you photos on their on their razor. Motorola, oh yeah roller razor and you're like what is that and you're like oh this is what it is and you're trying to like use your imagination still because you, yeah. you, you, couldn't, you couldn't tell what it was yeah yeah <laughs> oh man Ugh. well let's get back on track we're talking we're here to talk turkeys man and uh oh, mississippi is known for turkeys i mean that that is when you think about I feel like whenever I talk to people, I'm like, hey, what are the two toughest states to hunt turkeys? I hear consistently Mississippi and South Carolina. So my opening question for you is, how hard do you think it is to hunt Mississippi? I think if you're just talking about, from my perspective, it's not that hard because I've grown up. And I don't mean that to sound, you know, like boastful or anything. It's just I know these turkeys. Mm -hmm. So from from an outer state and i've hunted all over the country i've i've followed preston Pittman around for four years we hunted all over the place so i got to see other the way other turkeys respond and behave and it's nothing in comparison so from an outer state perspective coming into here it's a it's a eye-opening experience but for me to be honest with you i i honestly I would have to say South Carolina is probably one of the tougher states, like you said, because I've been up there and the, I don't know about the state as I, we never hit the eastern. I mean, the western side over the towards the mountains, we hit more of the coastal region and those turkeys. It's like nothing but cutovers and pine trees and bears and those trees. Uh, I mean, those turkeys over there were a nightmare. Mm. That but. It, I was going to say, do you think it's the terrain that makes it so difficult or is it the number of birds that they, they have or don't have or just a mixture of all of it? I think it's a little bit of everything with compounded by pressure because, you know, South Carolina, they got a lot of rednecks like Mississippi does. So you got a lot of dudes running around trying to kill turkeys on top of those dang cutovers, man. I, the place that we hunted, we actually went with a guy who was a bear hunter. And he ran a bunch of bear dogs. And I'm going to say we hunted two different counties. And I bet you 80% of that, what we saw was all cut over. It's, it's big timber country over there, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
and like I said, I cannot speak to the western portion of the state. I would imagine it's a lot better over there with you get into the foothills and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. That's interesting. I've always been told that the birds in South Carolina are some of the weary, the most weary that you'll find that they're just because of the number of predators, both human and natural, that that they just, you know, they don't they don't want to talk very much when they do. They come in. Well, I got a buddy of mine that's gone to South Carolina four times to kill a bird. And every time the killable bird that he had has come in silent. Yeah. A different well, bird and all of a sudden off to the left. Here comes in one real quiet. That's very similar over here. I, I, majority. Well, I'm not going to say majority, but a lot of the turkeys that I shoot come in silent. And I think that's uh, a lot of just we've got which this these last two years in particular we've had a ton of jakes so it's kind of it's kind of shut down the goblin not completely but um it seems like over here those jakes when you get a wad of jakes every time a turkey gobbles the jakes go to him and you know one gobbler against three or four jakes is a bit of an issue mm-hmm. for him so it seems to shut them down those gobblers I don't know this to be a fact, but it seems that the the majority of their vocalizations, if you could call it, is their drum. And they've got, you know, their little harem of hens with them, and they drum and drum and drum and keep them with them. If they get separated, they'll gobble a little bit. But, yeah, I I, I don't know. Describe Sounds like the gobblers need to start a union and meet <laughs> up on some jakes. Yeah, we need to get a bunch of kids out here. I need some help with these jakes. <laughs> yeah. And you think, you know, you think you got year and year in, year in and year out a ton of jakes is going to, you know, translate into a bunch of two-year-olds next year, but it doesn't. I guess they just kind of do the whole busting off and locating new areas. And it's cool because you find turkeys in spots you hadn't seen them before. But you also, you you think, you know, three or four Jakes over here, I'm going to have three or four two-year-olds next year. It just doesn't translate that way. Hmm. I mean, it's good for the population as a whole, though. Which oh, it's is, great. It's a good thing, period. But yeah, um, I think the past couple of years have been good. From everybody I've talked to in the southeast, the, the hatch has been great the last two or three years. I know I saw uh, a hen last year that on three separate occasions that had a whole, a whole uh, is it – is it a posse of what's a what's a group of, of uh poults called? I call it a wad. A wad. <laughs> a wad. We'll go with a wad of turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think so, a lot of it honestly is we've seen this huge resurgence in trapping, and you yeah. can't tell me that it's not helping because it's interesting to see that you know this massive resurgence of trapping started about three years ago when everybody was preaching nest predators dps all this stuff and then now here the last two years we've had great hatches there's there's something to it you know the science doesn't necessarily back it up but i think we'll see that in the future well you know it's interesting i hear that a lot and i'm not disputing it but in florida we don't have that because you can't trap on public lands and there's not a whole where i live there's not a whole lot of really what i would consider trappable lands not that the there's not a whole lot of private land i'm kind of surrounded by national forest and state forest uh but what they have done here is they have almost gotten caught up on their burn plans 
and every year they are burning tens of thousands of acre blocks at a time and that started back in 2020 i used to drive through one of these wmas here and when i saw a turkey it was like holy crap look there's a turkey yeah. and now i drive through it and it's un it's uncommon to make the whole drive and not see a turkey um, i love that and i think it's amazing um it creates a lot of opportunity but i think that there's definitely a uh you know we talked to marcus lashley the other day and you know i think every every piece of land has things it needs right if you have a the habitat managed the way it's supposed to then trapping you're going to see you know the benefit from that right because that's the extra x percent you can get from it but down here in Florida, man, we got to burn the piss out of stuff before we can even, because because you can't trap; it's illegal. Yeah, see, that's Just that's crap. my thing. Habitat trumps everything. Yep. But like here, we can't work on habitat on public ground, which is that's right. a lot of what I hunt. So the only option I have is to trap. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if that's all you have, it's best to do it you know if if i could go in there and say hey i'm gonna call a game warden hey i'm gonna burn this pine ticket this thousand acres over here do you mind he'd probably say absolutely not but it would be super illegal <laughs> so <laughs> he'd probably be, the state biologist would probably be like absolutely get after it we got our hands full anyway but yeah not an option so trapping's the only option i have <laughs> i wish it was legal here at least the little uh foothold like uh stick a marshmallow down in there because god almighty do we have a bunch of daggum raccoons and possums around here yeah yeah Black those dps are them. them dog proofs man they're just they're an absolute i mean they're awesome mm-hmm. when do you uh, trap let's talk about that a little bit because i didn't even anticipate touching on that but what's your what is your your season for trapping and and what do you like how how heavily do you target it well our season our, the, the good thing about mississippi is is coyotes coons fox um possums skunks and beavers you can trap year round there is no regulation on it now there is a trapping season which that that's you know that covers bobcats otter um other stuff like that and now that's from like november to uh the day before turkey season march 14th so but that really doesn't apply to me like we we don't have a super stronghold of bobcats so if i catch one you just release them and mm-hmm. most of what i'm targeting is coons possums skunks and coyotes and that's majority of what we have here but i'm doing it from if if i see a issue or like you know a lot of these places i'm walking into you go 100 yards from the truck and you come across a, a you're crossing a creek and there's a massive coon trail right there on the creek you'll find them mm-hmm especially in the fall, those, those coons are down there on the creeks anyways. They're not running ridge as much. Um, so I'll just go ahead and throw some out, you know, if I'm going to be in there for a couple of days, because the beauty of a, a DP, a dog proof, is you set it and it's either going to catch the next night or it's not. So it's not like a coon trap, I mean a coat trap, mm-hmm. where it may be 14 days, 20 days that traps in the ground before it, it catches, you know, because coats just move so much further than coons do um but that being said i hit it hard after deer season and pretty much i've got traps out anytime from jan february 1st to up leading up to march 15th and i'm just hitting a bunch of different places as much as i can most of it's stuff that i can check from my truck 
So I can check them on the way to work or I can make a quick loop after work, check them. Um, uh, yeah, you, you just take what you can get, honestly. Now, if I've got, you know, a long weekend or something, then I'll, I'll branch out and maybe load up the four wheeler and do stuff. But I've kind of, I've got a, uh, a little side gig that keeps me busy doing animal damage control work. So most of my time outside of the truck run with coons is on beaver jobs. Cause you know, this river bottom just covered up in beavers. So everybody's got rose bushes and trees getting chewed on and duck holes. They want to keep the beavers out of and everything, but yeah, that's, I just hit the coons as hard as I can when I can. So there's no, there's no, not funny way to say this, but do you eat the beaver? Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I eat the beaver. <laughs> um, the beaver, beaver meat is tremendous. I, that's now, everything. I I, it's hard it. to say without making yeah. some kind of childish joke about it because <laughs> I laugh every time I hear it. Too. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, beaver meat is awesome. It's like the best roast beef or prime rib you ever had. That's what I keep getting told, man. I, my, my little brother shot one up. And- the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I think it was North Georgia and uh, he cooked it and he's like, dude, this is just like next time you get a chance, you need to shoot a beaver and, and take it home and eat it. Cause it's just, he was raving about it. Yeah, that's great. Mm. And and, I, and we've got a bounty on them here. So you get twelve fifty, twelve dollars fifty cents for the tail. You just turn it in, cut it off, turn it in. You get $12 fifty cents for each one of those. And then I cut the caster out of them and sell that. And it's usually like, 
depending on the market, anywhere from fifty to seventy dollars a pound for that. So oh, kind of on top of getting, you know, the the money from the job itself, you kind of get a little added bonus there on top of it. Shoot, yeah, dude. I grew up in New Orleans and, and they had a bounty on Nutria for a while, but there's no eating a Nutria. Especially Absolutely. Canals. I mean some of them folks down there they eat them, but I'm not eating no deck of meat nutrient. No. No. It, it, the places you're you're pulling them, you don't want to be eating anything out of there anyways. No. <laughs> <laughs> I worked down there as a uh boat captain during the BP oil spill. Mm-hmm. And it was uh we I, I I ran around with a bunch of uh I'll say Cajuns in airboats and stuff man they love them they take them they run them hogs over with an airboat and tie them up throw them in there and that poor old hog be in there squealing for four or five hours before we got back to the office they throw in the back of the truck next thing you know we having sausage or something a couple days later (laughs) (laughs) and boys they said oh yeah you throw that nutri in a pot you'll never know (laughs) all right all right take your word for it yeah, let me know before you feed me that shit. <laughs> Hard pass here. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you're hungry enough. Uh, well, I'd be pretty doggone hungry. <laughs> All right, man. So l- let's talk turkey because you have uh, influenced me in a way that I was unprepared for. And that is uh, I have been going down a kick of minimalist turkey hunting. I, I just, I, every year I find myself taking less and less and less. And I was buying a marsupial, uh, it's the company. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they oh, yeah. sell, yeah. So they sell bino harnesses and stuff. And so they have this chest rig for, for fishing that just is almost as if it was made for turkey hunting. And I saw that I'm kind of on the fence about it and I bought it and I'm kind of getting like cold feet about if I needed to spend that money on it. And then I saw you sitting there with an HS strut chest rig and i was like oh man this dude hammers turkeys and i started picking your brain about it dude so what's the evolution of that why don't you use a vest what's like what do you what what's what's the background there well to be honest i just after years of carrying a vest because you know i started out with a vest i thought i had to have everything in the world that was made for turkey hunting and it just turns out you know a lot of the hunts that i make i don't even have that rig that chest rig with me most of the time I've got my overalls, face mask, gloves, and a little, uh, what do you call this? It's like a, a wallet on a lanyard that you put diaphragms in. That's yeah. it. But if I'm going to be gone a couple of hours, I'll, I'll throw the chest rig on and I can carry, you know, water or food or a slate call, anything like that. But I just, I've, I started to realize that I never use 90% of what I have. And I, I really don't even like the cushion that comes on a, on a vest. Mm-hmm. I sit on my butt usually because I'm not generally speaking, I'm not going to be there more than 30, 45 minutes is a pretty long sit for me. Um, I move around and try to get in front of turkeys a lot, super mobile. So yeah, it just, I, I ended up, I would wear a vest and I would use a diaphragm or a slate call and I would use nothing else in the vest. So it kind of made no sense for me to tote it. And with that cushion, it's comfortable, sure. But you if you sit on something, any kind of an incline, you're constantly like your butt will slide down it and you're trying to readjust or something. I, I, it, it makes too much noise when you sit down on it. 
I don't know. It just, it wasn't, I, I didn't see a use for it outside of a long, if I was going to be gone all day long and I needed to bring a jet bowl or something and, uh, you know, a peak refuel lunch or something. It just didn't make any sense for me to carry it. That was it. You know, I'm, I, I, I come at this from like a slightly different angle. I'm honest with myself. How often do I use the stuff that's in the vest? You know, in life, whenever I'm, I'm, I'm a process guy and I'm an accountant, right? And if we have a process and there's a part of that process that doesn't serve any purpose and we don't use it for six months and why, why do we keep it? Right. And so deer hunting, I just keep, I keep scaling back what I'm taking every year. I take less and less and less. And now I'm basically a bottle of water, some, some camera equipment and uh, a kill kit. Right. And like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm done. Like that's all I'm taking. And 99.99999% of the time, it's all two mouth calls. Yeah. That's it's and it, you know I've always been a better to have it not need it than need it not have it kind of guy yep. except for tree hunting because you just end up not needing ever most of the stuff in there you know I've my old vest I had two uh, I had a mouth uh, a slate call a glass call a box call four or five mouth calls you know seven strikers and mm-hmm. a wing and all that crap it just it, it bogs you down and it's something else to make noise and it just my the greatest invention there ever was is a pair of camouflage overalls <laughs> and i can put everything i need in either i've got my thermostat clipped on i've got you know two thigh pockets i can throw whatever in there that front bib pocket you know it's just I don't, I never end up needing more than what I can carry in a pair of overalls, except for a bottle of water. How do you, how do you survive temperature wise in a pair of overalls down in Mississippi in the springtime? Oh, they're, you know, they're the cotton, you know, just straight <laughs> just uninsulated <laughs> overall. Oh, they're, they're perfect. Cause I'm usually free balling inside of them. So I don't have to, <laughs> I don't get hot. <laughs> I got a camouflage shirt on, like one of them dry fit type shirts, yeah, and then yeah. overalls, and I'm good to go. Hiking boots, I'm I'm perfectly fine. All right, Daniel, you've been awful quiet. What's are, are you taking a vest? And if you do, do you have a bunch of empty pockets? What's the deal? No, I completely agree with what he was saying. It, it's funny. I think we all start out like that. We all go and purchase the biggest vest. It's got a kickstand on the back, and uh, that's the one I bought. Tactical Tater and. Uh, loaded that sucker up with every call known to man and wing on the back and water bottle and snacks and mouthwash and chewing gum and the whole nine yards. And, <laughs> and uh, then you try to sneak up on a turkey through some pine, Florida pines that have briars everywhere. And you sound like a train coming through the the woods. And, and you're like, well, well, you, you end up just taking your vest off and leaving it to sneak up on a turkey. And, and then you realize I don't need all of this stuff that I'm toting around. So what's the point in carrying it? So I think I, I ended up going to the, uh, the night and hell running gun. I think it's night and hell running gun, little vest and throw a couple calls in it and go with it. Binos. And, um, I don't think too much about it anymore. Camera stuff. That's becoming a, a new thing. And, and, uh, I'm open for, tips on that how to tote camera gear around because that uh can become cumbersome at times 
just get rid of all the stuff in your pockets or your turkey vest. I mean, that honest to God, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where the only reason I take that chest rig, I've got my hoot owl, I got my hooks, uh, alcohol because I can't hoot owl with my mouth to save my life. And then I've got like a little battery compartment in there. I've got, we'll talk about this in a second, a little optic in there as well. Um, but I think I'm, I'm kind of like land. Honestly, I think if it wasn't for the camera equipment, I would just take my little houndstooth billfold full of mouth calls and bomb off into a bottom. And, you know, you I, I'll put three rounds in the gun before I leave the truck. And I mean, I got just about everything I need aside for a bottle of water. Yeah. You know, the only thing I'm carrying for the camera is extra battery. Yep. So I can throw that in my pocket. You know, I'm, I'm, I keep it super simple. I don't get crazy with the video and I, I pretty much zoom it out and set it right beside me. And, you know, I saw a video a, a few years ago and it was Ronnie Strickland. Oh, cause mm-hmm. up here at Mossy Oak. And it was a different angle. Cause you know, every, every video we see is, you know, the cameraman zoomed in tight on the turkey and that's beautiful. And you're getting to see the sun shine off his wings and stuff, but his, he was in a situation where he couldn't move the camera and the, the shooter was out in front of him about 20 yards on an oak tree. And it was zoomed all the way out. And all you can see is the, the flock of turkeys working is in the hardwoods flock of turkeys kind of work out in front of that guy. And you see him, they go behind a tree and he shifts and makes the movie needs to. And the turkeys work to the right and he shoots it. And I thought that is the coolest hunt that I've seen in a long time, because you got to see what actually goes down. It was a full, you know, eight minutes of that turkey working and, and hanging up out there. And, and then he'll take a few steps and he goes behind an oak and you got to watch the hunter move on him and make the adjustment he needed. And I thought that is the kind of video that I want. I don't want, um, Dave Owens does a great job of it. Cause he, he doesn't do a bunch of cuts and music and all that stuff. It's just the raw footage of the hunt. And it may be 10, 12 minutes of him sitting there working the Turkey, but that is what we watch videos for is the learning process. You know, there's a lot of kill montages and all that. They get million views and that stuff doesn't interest me. It's the the footage from from start making first contact with that turkey to when you get him in range or you don't. But that is the important stuff. Now I know that's sidetracked and all that, but that that was kind of that's kind of my view when it comes to turkeys as my plan is to take this camera on every hunt and just like start out when I make first contact with the turkey and let it run within reason. You know, no, I'm not going to have 45 minutes of just dead footage of just looking at one spot. But my first hunt this year was perfect because I went to a spot. I struck the turkey gobbled on his own right before daylight. I went to him and I set up and I think it was 12 or 13 minutes later, he pitched out and hit the ground at 30 yards and I shot him and it would, the, the entire thing was recorded from start to finish. Mm. And that's, that's the kind of stuff I like to watch is that vocal back and forth with the Turkey. And when that hunt in particular I had hens off to the right that I had to, I kind of went back and forth with her getting him trying to keep his attention and hers at the same time. So that hopefully both of them hit on my side of the river and all that, because they were roosted across the river. Um, 
but yeah, I, I know that's a major tangent. I'm bad about that, but that that's I carry a battery with me, an extra battery in the event that the one I have dies. That's it as far as carrying mine. And I carry mine on a tripod and it I just it's got a handle on the middle of it and I carry it in with my shotgun. Simple as that. You know, no GoPros or Insta three sixties or anything like that. You just one camera and going. Yeah, just one camera. I would love to do the the inst or the three sixty cam and all that, but it's just I don't want to uh bog myself down in the moment. You know, with having to worry about what's on and what's not and where it needs to be facing and all that. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Like I said, the best footage is the one where you're where you get to see the the entire hunt because i catch myself sometimes going back and watching the film and and i was thinking to myself man it was such a good hunt but then you go back and watch the film and it's just you know the woods there's no action going on because the turkey's working his way in you don't have the film on the hunter but when you back off the zoom where you can see the hunter you can see the moves they're making and think about why they're making the moves they are and the action of calling in the turkey and then the turkey comes in you know, and then you get to watch the entire thing. So, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you hit that, hit the nail on the head with that one. You know, yeah. I'm with you. I enjoy Penhody too. I think I think there's a lot of education there. He doesn't kill enough birds to really keep me retained. Yeah, right. He kind of he kind of sucks as a turkey hunter, but the, the, <laughs> it's there. The you know the lessons are there if you listen. It's, it's how not to turkey hunt. Oh, absolutely, and 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 by by association, if you watch him, you know exactly what not to do. You end up being a better turkey hunter, which I think is in his mission statement under the Penhody. If you actually look at his logo on his website, it says Penhody, not what not to do. So correct. Anybody yes. you know, anybody who's watching YouTube with the other in mind, you, you've been doing it all wrong. So right. God bless his poor soul. <laughs> he'll figure it out one day <laughs> heavy heavy burden that man bears yes <laughs> <laughs> so well. one of the things i think is kind of cool so i have these really nice vortex binoculars that i can dang near see through a tree in the dark and uh the downside to them is they're 27 and a, and a half ounces and right I'm pinging you and i'm talking to you about this setup dude you turned me on to this little monocular from vortex and i felt like the biggest wing nut out there toting this thing around till the other day when i was sitting there looking down the two track and i'm like is that turkey down there or not and i pop pop that little thing out my buddy's like what is that i was like it's a little monocular and i popped the little lens out and i looked down there and there he is all puffed up i was like oh put it back in the chest man that thing is amazing anybody who's listening to this right now considers them a run and gun ultralight turkey hunter it's 80 bucks on amazon jump on it yeah, eighty bucks for vortex glass. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. It's ten power, so you're gonna see what you need to see. Yep, it's you know, it's not like deer hunting where we're trying to differentiate. You know, is that an ash branch or is that a, a time? Mm-hmm. You know, we're just trying to identify and verify what we're looking at. Is it a turkey or is it not? So there's really because I did it for years, carried a full size set of ten by fifties. You know. And I was just like, these things, it makes no sense. And then you got that little binocular. You forget you even have it mm-hmm. till the time comes. You're like, I wish I had binocular. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. I got this binocular. Pull it up. 
that, that, those little, that little thing is bad news, dude. You know how I know you're not from Florida? How's that? You were talking about trying to differentiate between an extra time and Florida. We'd just shoot, walk up to it, and if it ain't supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. we just... <laughs> no, it was a nice branch. It's just a doe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old Perry. Old Perry knows yeah. all about that, running dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just take... You see Brown, it's down, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was on a CB one time and I heard it was it was getting closer to the evening. I heard, "Hey man, I'm making a meat run. Does anybody need any food for supper?" And I was like, "Dang!" So the next day I hear that. The next day I hear that. And uh, finally, I was talking to a buddy of mine like ten years later, and he goes, "You know what that meat run is?" I'm like, "No." He goes, "Anybody jumps a doe right before dark, they crush it, they they uh they 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 bone it out, throw it in the cooler, and bring it back to camp." I was like, "They had to gum it, man." <laughs> so. Yep. They run under the, the under the uh, the uh, toolbox and hit yeah. the road. Yeah. Dang right. <laughs> backstraps, backstraps, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your strategy, man. Uh, so you do a fox. you do a huh? Say fox just ran right behind the door of my truck. Did he? Yeah, he just came out of the bottom where the chicken coop is. That's a problem. Little red fox. Yeah, little red fox. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, what were you saying? Well, I was going to say, let's talk strategy, dude, because you do a lot of these ultralight hunts. My guess, not ultralight, but also quick, right? You, you're talking about, you know, a couple hours before work. I'm, I'm going to put money on your uh, a fairly aggressive roost hunter. Oh, absolutely. I'm going I'm to be within. If he hits the ground off the roost, I'm going to try to be in range when he hits the ground. Um, 80 yards is, is like maximum. It, and the 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 good thing about Mississippi is it's especially with this early spring and all the leaf cover you can usually sneak in. Um, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to work in wet socks because I just take my shoes off when I hit about a hundred, and then creep in there and get. I, ideally, I would like to be sixty. It's like the magic Holy number, crap. and that's let him gobble. Wait till you've got good light to shoot. And then as soon as he gobbles, just and then don't say another thing. And he's either going to pitch in range, if not close to it, or he's going to go wherever he originally intended to go. And I have shot at four turkeys this year. I've killed two and missed two. And there hasn't been a shot I've taken past about 6.50 in the morning. Um, but a lot of that stemmed from growing up i was hunting before school and before work most of my hunts because i could get you know before school you're getting two two and a half hours to hunt Mm -hmm. well if he's got hands with him you you got to be in there tight you know and i don't have time to work him like i would normally do my favorite turkey hunts obviously are those three or four hour you know matches that you have and you finally kill him that's that's what turkey hunting is but in these scenarios where I'm in having to go before work, it just, I've, I've kind of developed a system where I get in tight as I can. And then either you kill him or you don't. Simple mm-hmm. as that. How often do you think you, you bust that bird on the roost? Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. 
With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com uh, See, like 10, 10 approaches, 10 before work hunts, you gobbling on the roost. How often do you feel like you get too close? Now, busting him off the roost is him flying off is very rare, but there have been a lot of occasions where you can hear that, you know, uh-huh. up there, and then he goes silent. And then you're like, well, I might as well just sit here and let him pitch out. And then there's, you'll know real quick if you if you messed up or not because if he put he may not even put he just shut up and quit mm-hmm. gobbling won't say anything he might not even pitch out and you just leave mm-hmm. um but it, to be honest with you i've kind of got it to the point where i know how close i can get without you know screwing it up so that's why i kind of leave that 10 20 yard buffer and i, I try to stick to about 60 yards um it's these days back in the day it was like eight out of ten of them i was screwing up (laughs) but now i've kind of gotten it down i know what i can do and what i can't and that's another thing taking the shoes off boots off whatever and slipping did you cannot believe how quiet you could be in a pair of socks like it's it's almost i mean not even fair how much closer you can get to a turkey when you go super slow you got your gun already down you know you're holding it in your hand you're staying low to the ground and you balance yourself and you just take it as slow toes down first like a bobcat and drop your heel you can feel the beauty of the socks is you can feel any sticks under your feet and you can even you know kind of stick your toe up under the stick and get up underneath it and then then get a good you know balance and move up further but it's a, uh, it's just, it's it's nasty. Yeah, I'm gonna have wet socks tomorrow. I'm gonna guarantee it. I hadn't. What's really embarrassing is I've never considered that. You the first oh, well. you said that I was like you freaking idiot, and I immediately went back to the bird after bird after bird. I probably could have got closer and closer and closer to if I'd done that. And Daniel's sitting over here looking all judgmental. I can see. Oh, yeah. guys. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just thinking about the first time I'd step on a prickly pear or a good briar bush, I'd be, I'd squeal. Oh yeah, you'll step on briars and yeah. the, the, you, there's lots of cotton mouths down here, so that's that's another thing to think about. But at the same time, you know, it's it anything above below like I want to say that the magic temperature is like 75 or 72. You could dang near step on that thing and he wouldn't do anything. So I don't worry too much about cotton mouths before daylight now if it gets up in the day that that i probably would not be taking much but then again i'm always wearing you know ankle high hiking shoes so yeah if they're gonna buy i've been bit twice one of them was two years ago luckily it's one of them did not go through the boot and the other one it was a dry bite but 
I don't know. It's, I, I, I get, I'm kind of stupid because I get a turkey goblin and I don't really care what's in the way. I'm going to him. We all can agree with that one. Yeah, and you're also talking about once the sun kind of starts to creep up too and you can see what you're doing too. So, you know, it's it's a little different then. But I'm with you, man. I, I went hunting with my buddy last past weekend and we got a river otter. We're sitting there and with birds talking at a distance. We got this five-foot river otter and he is just effing up some crawfish. I mean, the joker is just <laughs> going to town at like 10 feet. And my buddy's like, dude, isn't this awesome? Like he's just living in the moment. I looked at that thing. I was like, cool. And I just turned. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I was like, "Neat, not here for that." And I just pivot, yeah. and I and I, I just I just started like pinging that bird on the on the on the roost. And he's like, oh, "I can't do anything with you." And I was like, "Man, I'm here to kill a freaking turkey." That turkey's talking. He's on the roost. It's time to cut the distance. You know. Yeah, that's. All. I I wish no animal other than a red bird and a hoot owl or a crow existed in turkey season. <laughs> I hate deer. I hate everything outside of turkeys, crows, owls, and red birds. I tell you right now, pileated woodpecker is my favorite favorite bird right now. Every time one of those jokers goes off, he just fire they fire off in them bottoms. Oh yeah. I got got a question for you about busting turkeys off the roost. Say you did or you have in the past. um, Did you find that those turkeys still roost in the same tree or the same location in the following days? Do you do you feel like? turkeys kind of stay in the same area or do you feel like they have a slightly larger range than what we think they do well i think it depends there's it's not uncommon you know for them to get busted because you got to think about how many times have you roasted a turkey and then gone in the next morning and he's 100 yards from where he was they get bumped around a lot just random stuff happening in the night a storm blow in and get them all messed up you know if, if a big strong wind comes in I can't see how it wouldn't, you know, knock him off balance and he's got to pitch and grab another limb real quick or something. And I, as far as roosting in the same locations, as far as pretty much the same tree or within, you know, a couple trees, I don't see that very often. Now, every now and then I'll find a turkey that he really likes a spot or in it. And that this is Southeast out West, you know, when they've got just, tree lines to roost in old bodock trees or cottonwoods or whatever those turkeys out there will roost in the same daggum river bottom creek bottom every day every single day but up here you know he may roost over here and then i think these turkeys around here they just roam until they they get ready for fly up and they're like i don't lamb up there looks good i'm gonna pitch up right there because it's 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 not uncommon for them to be two or three hundred yards away one turkey you know and i've heard guys uh like chamberlain say that a good roosting area you may hear a turkey and then go back the next day and the turkey another turkey is there in the same spot and you think it's the same turkey but tag and data will tell you that's a totally different turkey it's just a prime roosting spot so they kind of cycle in and out um but that being said there are certain locations like there's one in particular that i know of where it's kind of a bend in a river and there's a bunch of cypresses up on one side and there's a clear spot for them to pitch out to. And you can go down there just about, I mean, nine times out of 10, there's going to be turkeys roosted right there. Now, whether it's a gobbler or not is questionable, but nine times, nine days out of 10 days, there will be turkeys roosted in that bend right there just because it's such a 
prime roosting spot. Now, as far as turkeys busting them, if I went in, well, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. Three days ago, I went into a spot, turkey's been roosting on the backside of this place up on the creek. And they've been there eight, 10 days, you know, back, I've checked them four or five times in eight, 10 days. They were all back there in that general area along that creek. Well, I go in three days ago and I get 300 yards from there and blow two gobblers off the roost right above me. I went back this morning, two gobblers sitting right there in that same spot where I kicked them out of. Now that may have been, I don't know if they went back that day and roosted in there or if I just happened to be there and they came back that two days later, you know? So who knows? I, I, I don't think there's any absolutes at all, but I don't think personally that when you pick one off the roost, that it harms them that much. Now, if I was to shoot at him, that might be a different story. But then again, we got to remember Turkey's a pretty dumb animal. So <laughs> makes me feel good to hear you say that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, got team, a lot of sense. yeah I'm, I'm team turkeys are stupid. Yeah. And when they make you look stupid, it's really says something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I use that line turkeys are stupid both on days like today when they just don't talk and whenever and whenever they do chaotic things that 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 uh just don't make any sense. I I called a bird off a roost last year off a roost in the evening watched him fly up cut to him three times just wanted to hear him gobble saw the joker pitch back down to me and i shot him and it's just like <laughs> that That doesn't make any sense whatsoever you know uh, yeah i've never heard that before but that's a new one i know and i got it all on film too Lance. so i've got video evidence that's that awesome happened. yeah it was <laughs> the craziest I, I i set up behind him i had about 10 15 minutes of daylight left and uh i saw i, I saw what i thought was a buzzard fly up and then afterwards, I saw him, he gobbled one time, and he came back down to see me. And that's the only reason why I made the connection on the on the camera. You can see him fly up, and you can see him fly back down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but, you know, again, that's just stupidity, right? Like, that's, yeah. just, that's just a dumb bird right there. Well, I made a boneheaded move. Uh, my, my most recent shot at a turkey, um, I went into a spot, and it was – I, when I got there, you couldn't even see daylight yet cracking in the east, like nothing. It was silent. I mean, just dark. And it gobbled in the pitch black right out there about 200 yards from me. I was like, oh, you're so dead. So I'll start cu cutting down. There was an old logging road in there. I, wait, I made my way to him, and I got probably 65 from him. And it was kind of the spot where I, I I would love to have gotten closer a little bit, but I was kind of, it dropped off into a cypress head down there and he was roosted on it. And it made sense for him to, there was a little ridge that cut out to my, like if I'm looking at the turkey at 12 o'clock, the, the ridge was probably 30, 35 from him. And it ran down like two o'clock. So it made perfect sense for him to pitch straight out of that head onto that ridge right there and work his way back up to me. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to sit back right here and I'm going to this. He was spinning on a limb, gobbling his brains out. I could tell he was lonely. So I set up and I'm looking straight down this ridge and I'm waiting on daylight. It was cloudy overcast morning. It was taking forever to get daylight. He is just burning it up. And I'm like, I know how this is going to go, 
the first time I call to him, he's going to answer me. He's going to pitch out. I was like, I cannot call to him until I got enough light to shoot, which is a little bit lighter than it needs to be if I had a bead because I'm shooting a red dot and the, the glow of that red dot is going to knock it. I need an extra like two or three minutes on daylight for it. Well, I couldn't help myself. I was like, I, I, he's lonely. I need to at least let him know where I am. So I gave him just the lightest three-note tree yelp, and he double gobbled. And next thing I know, I said, oh, God, here we go. Sure enough, he pitched right out on that ridge, hit the ground at like 35, 30-something, 30 blew up in the strut. And all I can see at this point is a black blob right out there in front of me. It's still dark, dark. And I'm trying to find him in my red dot. It's all on video. You'll see it. Um, and he starts working right down this ridge in front, kind of working towards me, but to my right as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaning, leaning hard. And he goes behind a big oak and I get set up where I need to be. And he steps out the other side and I, and I clucked at him twice and he stretched his neck up my shot and turkey flew off. I was like, what the heck? Well, when he came around that big oak and stuck his head up, there was a sweet gum sapling about as big around as your wrist that his head went up directly and his head was white and that dang you know those sweet gums will get kind of blotchy white bark on the side of them i saw that and shot and sure enough i blew i mean i peppered the hell out of that thing and lost that turkey so that being said i have not heard that turkey again so who knows and that's been a week ago probably so who knows if he's still around or if I completely just sent him out of the county. <laughs> but that, the lesson there is do not, if you've got a turkey that's spinning on a limb, gobbling his brains out, he's lonely, and do not make a call until you've got good shooting light because he's probably going to pitch out very quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you say that because my first bird I ever shot, I made that exact mistake. And I just, center mass the bird you know the only difference was it was like 30 yards and there were no trees and i just put the red dot the red dot was the size of the bird it was so bright and so early <laughs> in the morning and i was like screw it i mean at 30 yards it's, something's gonna hit him and i peppered the breast and just crushed his wings and everything but the bird was dead you know and it was at that point i was like man i gotta get a different red dot looking back now i'm like no i just needed to wait to call to that bird like he was that was my bird you know, I just, I just need right. to be a little more strategic with it. Yeah. That's, I love that red dot that I've got. It's a, it's great because the lowest setting on there, it's got red and green and the lowest green setting is a little too bright, but that lowest red setting is pretty much like, it's almost, you can't even see it in the dark. It's so dim. And that's, that's usually what I start out at. And as the day gets on, I'll switch over to green because it's a lot brighter than the red. Yeah. Yeah, red dots are the way to go for sure. I've oh, been no. on a gun this year, and I I don't know why I haven't started using one before this year because you don't have to have your shoulder, you know, or your cheek down on the gun looking down the bead. You can be in a funky situation and still get a good shot off. Yep. That's, that's the beauty of it. You can throw that gun in anybody's hands as long as that dot's on his neck. And that dot is pretty much in the center of that side housing. It's, it's, he's dead. Yep. 
Well, dude, we, we're coming up quickly on about an hour, and I'm watching this monitor, and my boy is starting to get restless. When And I said, when we first started <laughs> chatting, I said, let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. He's got some kind of little chest deal. But before we let you go, we've got a little little podcast tradition we're going to run through. Daniel, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right, Lance. So we're going to hit you with some rapid fire. I do not want you to think. I just want you to act. Okay. Hello. All right, here we go. Letter TSS. TSS. Canon or Sony? Canon. Box collar trumpet. Trumpet. Decoy or no decoy? No decoy. Bearded hen or triple bearded tom? Triple bearded tom. Woo. Beards or spurs? Spurs. I'm going to skip this next one because we already know the answer. Favorite locator call? Uh, Owl. Favorite subspecies? Uh, Easterns. Favorite state? Mississippi. Favorite podcast? Chasing Tales! Yay! <laughs> and your camo pattern of choice for turkey? Greenleaf. 100%. Hey, hey, I'm going to send you a photo. I look like a total tool, but I just completely decked myself out head to toe in Greenleaf. Greenleaf is the best, man. I love bottom land, but that 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 little added green man is something about it. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, uh huh. You, uh, Happy Gilmore. You remember whenever he's sitting there at the golf course the first time and he sees the guy wearing plaid pants? He's like, "If I saw myself in those pants, I kick my own ass." Yeah. When this photo I'm about to send you, I swear to God, I'm just I felt the exact same way. I felt like I just ought to sock myself right in the daggum throat. Nah. I look. There was they had a. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> um they had a uh a pattern back in the day and it was called mossy oak forest floor and that was the greatest single graded now it did it wasn't that awesome for top but as far as pants are concerned forest floor for mossy oak they discontinued it and i'm so mad about it i'm about to go over there and have a word with toxie but if they ever brought that back that is the single greatest as far as pants are concerned camo pattern ever made mm. well, while you're but, talking to toxie let him know we got a podcast he needs to sponsor yeah i'll let him know i'm sure he'll jump right on it <laughs> oh <laughs> man, my I, goodness I, look at this yes yeah, i sent daniel the same picture look man. at this guy what's so cute <laughs> <laughs> like he touched his first boob right there in that photo man just changing oh. from ear to ear Hey, when you slide up next to a big old fat oak tree and with that green leaf on, you just kind of sl- kind of disappear like old cottonmouth. That's right. That's just right, man. <laughs> cover up with some leaves and throw a stick over your legs, and you're just gone. You don't even uh-huh. exist. Well, I just I I take the cottonmouths and just put those on my legs, and then nothing, you know, you just you, nothing wants to mess with you, mosquitoes or nothing. Yeah, because then there ain't a couple ways to be snake bit. <laughs> oh man well i appreciate you taking time out your evening dude you got a youtube channel i can send people to or just they just need to find you on social not yet yeah just go to instagram right now i'm gonna i think the way i'm gonna go with this video is i'm gonna make like instead of a bunch of individual hunts i'm just gonna throw it all together on one and make like a turkey season 23 and it may be an hour long but just throw it all up at one time you know just kind of catalog the whole season in one video so we'll see what happens i don't know Awesome, man. Well, go go find him on Instagram. His handle is land on your face. 
which I absolutely <laughs> love, uh, just exactly as it sounds. And then uh, be on the lookout for that season recap, man. I appreciate you, dude. Tomorrow, uh, it sounds like you're not hunting, but I hope you have luck Sunday. Well, I'm on. We'll see what happens. I'm gonna wake up at four thirty and check the radar. If it's at least not raining, I'm gonna get in between a get on a two track in between a field and a hardwood bottom and hope for the best. But Sunday, yes, yeah, gonna be on. So, good luck to y'all, man. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's a blast. Say good to A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.